This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, Community Radio for Dublin 15. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Centre, this is Phoenix FM. Welcome to the final, the final, the series finale, the very last one, the last donut in the bottom of the box. Kids, lick your fingers and enjoy the powder, because after tonight, it's no more. This is the Freeland Wrestling Rewind. We are brought to you by the True Penny Show. Catch James True Penny and his cast of wrestling minds as they talk about all things Japanese wrestling. You can find them anywhere fine podcasts are made available. And that means iTunes, Stitcher, FM Player, you name it, you can find them. And if you'd like to follow them on social media, they are on Facebook and on Twitter. And if you'd like to talk to James himself, he can be found at Sheriff Lone Star. And also, we're brought to you by PowerSlam TV. Get your first free month of PowerSlam TV if you go ahead and use the code MULLETWATCH. That's right. Mullet Watch. Get your first free month of Power Slam TV. And don't forget James's other show. Man, he's a regular Conrad Thompson. Telling stories. He looks back at all the interesting stories, gimmicks, and things that have not yet been told. But James will go down that road and entertain you the only way he can. Yes, the man who wears the jacket with the patches and the bubble pipe. He'll be coming into your ears each and every week with telling stories. All right. Let's just get into this here, all right? We've already cried. We've already wiped our, our, our eyes out. We've already said everything we needed to say. We're all on camera. We're all shirtless. Um, we're all enjoying ourselves very much right now. Tony right now is sitting in the dark. He's, he's drinking some Merlot. Uh, he looks very relaxed right now. Tony Cottam is joining us. So he is joining us from, uh, from, his, from his humble abode, his new humble abode. And uh, how you doing there, Tony? Yeah, I was in the middle of nowhere. Now I'm back in civilization. Got running water, electricity, the whole nine yards. Wow, look at you. You have moved up in this world. And you look fantastic, by the way. We, we talked about this a few episodes before, but with your job and everything, you walk like, like 20,000 steps a day. Uh, 20,000. Um, going by my Fitbit yesterday, well, um, Thursday, I suppose, for, for people recording this, I did 32,135 steps yesterday. That, that's it. You know what? I haven't done that much since I was a fetus. I mean, <laughs> that, that hasn't, that's ridiculous. But you know what? You look sexy, my friend. Also, someone who's sexy is my good friend from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Mr. Marcus Green. Marcus, how are you, buddy? Oh, man, you're too kind. I'm good, man. Couldn't, you know, I wasn't going to miss this last show. Hey, I tell you what, we have gone up and down the roads many times, my friend, and uh, you have been there, and you've 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 carried me. Trust me, I've uh, I've kind of what they call shit the bed. Am I allowed to say shit the bed on my last? Show? You know, I can, I can. I don't think they're going to edit that out, right? But uh, Marcus, how's life treating you? Good, man. Good. All things are uh, good except uh, anything WWE related. You know? Oh, ain't that the <laughs> truth? I can't. I can't get those brain cells back. Oh, my God. I tell you what. If it came down to herpes or watching WWE, give me a case of the herpes, my friend. I'll take it. Double dose twice on Sunday. But a- another man who's joining us in this big party is going to be Mr. Dara O'Connor. Dara, how are you, buddy? What's up, guys? How are you? Whoa. Look, are you outside? Are you at a picnic? What, what's going on? I hear like a breeze going in the background. 
Yeah, it's weird. I'm getting I'm getting your what I imagine my audio audio quality is from your end as well. Oh, I see. Maybe yeah. I should. I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna turn my uh, my video camera on so you guys can look at my nice construction outfit that I've got on right now. Slow down. Go to the left. I oh. I may be joined by several cats. There's one just walking by right now. <laughs> I, I was just about to say that that's either a cat or that's a disembodied spirit. And if that's the case, it's the Loch Ness monster. Yes. <laughs> So we got a lot of things to talk about here on this show. I'm so excited. I'm so excited right now, not because of the the blue chew I just enjoyed, but I'm excited for the simple fact that this show is going to continue on with these great minds that are joining us tonight. I'm so excited about that. I'm sure. Uh, is there any chance I'll, I'll get an invite every once in a while to stop on by and to uh, act highly inappropriate and talk wrestling with you guys? I'll wait for that, Of course. <laughs> I was just about to say, not all at once, yeah, folks. Not a- okay. <laughs> Perfect. If we, if we ever manage to record another episode of Smashcast, you have an open invitation to that to come and I, have a go at Scottish I, wrestling as well. I, I was just about to say, I would love, love to do that. That would be that would be tremendous. So, on this episode, uh, double or nothing happened, you guys. With a lot of things have been going on with AEW. You know, we did talk about on previous episodes how they have signed a deal with. TNT. That's going to be interesting. That'll be happening this fall. But they have several shows that are going to be happening before that launches. But we want to go into Double or Nothing, what some of the critics have to say about that show. Some people didn't like it. Some people liked it. I, I, I saw the show. I'll give you my opinions. The boys will tell you their opinions as well. John Moxley, Juice Robinson, great match. United States Championship. New Japan Pro Wrestling, we're going to go into that as well. We're also going to be talking about uh, Saudi Blood, Money, Gigolo 2. Dara, jump in here. It's Save Me. What, what do we call this thing again? Uh, uh, sweet Saudi Blood Money 3. It gets worse. It, it's, 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 it's t- what did we call it before? I know there was like a boogaloo or there was something in there. Sweet Saudi Money 2 Electric Boogaloo. Sorry. Yes, that's what I thought. That's what we're, we're going to be getting into that, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the Sami Zayn situation. You guys, I find that to be very interesting. Why Sami was requested by the powers that be to not be on the show, which, in my opinion, if these stories are true, that bothers me. Really bothers me. I mean, it should bother anybody, um, but it's just really distasteful. Um, we're also going to be talking about what's going on with this Bully Ray situation. There's a lot of things that are coming out about that. What happened with the fan? What's going on with he and Velvet Sky? What happened to the guy? Was he taken backstage? Who knows? But uh, Ring of Honor has recently released a statement talking about the situation, and there is an ongoing investigation. And I'm sure we'll get off on some tangents here, there, and, and everywhere. But I want to first throw it to Marcus. Speaking of this, that, and everything else, Marcus, Impact Wrestling, I want you to, to to sell me on this, man, because I know you're a big Impact guy. I know Dara's a big Impact guy. Are you happy with the current product? What's your thoughts on it? And do you think that this will help or hurt when AEW does launch on uh, NT on Tuesday nights this fall? Uh, for me, I think it's going to help. I mean, you know, uh, competition is always uh, good, and, you know, Impact has done a I think a, a solid job at getting back into the good standards on not only his fan base but the industry in general in terms of uh, 
competence and confidence, you know, and just talent going there. I don't even think, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, maybe not even a year ago, they wouldn't have been able to get names like Tessa, Jordan, and other people because it just was no faith to be had in in, uh, the regime, you know, the the backstage of it all. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll definitely help. And I know a lot of those guys uh, in the company on the roster, you know, would probably like to maybe do some collaborations, if you will. We don't know. Uh, you know, Impact has done a great job rebuilding itself by collaborating. So, you know, anything is possible. I don't think AEW is exactly uh, linked up with New Japan in a way now. So, you know, who knows what they might be looking to get into. But I can't see it, you know, hurting uh, as long as Impact kind of sticks to what they've been doing. I think they're in good standing for me. Not the big fan of the addition of uh, Elgin. Not the biggest Elgin fan. But, uh, yeah, you know, and I think they, they've really been chugging along, you know, after, you know, coming off of Rebellion. I think uh, they've really been making some solid efforts, and I'm uh, feeling good about being a fan right now, which I haven't always been able to say over the years. So, Well, let me get your, your take on this one here. So we found out that Eli Drake is now he's free. Mm-hmm. He is a free agent. He's able to sign with whoever he wants. Do you think that – it would behoove Impact Wrestling to do everything they can to try to retain him. Maybe they have, but I don't foresee him being a free agent for very long because I do feel like he is a very talented guy. What's your take on him? Uh, obviously, maybe not coming back to Impact Wrestling, and, and where do you think his next home may be? Oh, yeah, I'm a big Drake guy. Um, you know, he, he was one of those guys when, when the product uh, wasn't necessarily as fine on all cylinders, specifically at certain talents on the show. He was definitely a bright spot with, you know, names like, uh, you know, the uh, Fact of Life and stuff like that. And, you know, really showed improving the ring as well. But uh, it was definitely disappointing when, you know, I got news that he would be departing from the company. But uh, change is the only constant specifically in this industry. So, um, you know, that's really been something that's kind of been a, a trend, you know, through these different transitions with Impact. Uh but Drake is a super talented guy, one of the best you can get on the mic. Certainly no slouch in that ring, uh, super athletic and stuff like that. He's definitely going to land somewhere uh, profitable for him. I mean, the independence is, is a booming place right now. I don't know if he would want to go to WWE NXT. It's just it's just weird over there right now. Like, a, like we talked about before, they're holding a lot of talent in that performance center. And uh, NXT at this point is the promotion, whereas the main roster is the demotion. So, um, you know, I, I could see Drake maybe uh, maybe going to AEW. Uh, I don't I don't think though that he may go to Impact, and I don't see them trying to make a big thing to retain him because they. I don't know. It's just I just think it's one of those things where you know kind of mutually parted ways. You know, it kind of sucks because like I said, he is one of the be- better guys on the mic, and is one of those guys that stands out even when you even when he's not in the best position to. But uh, yeah, I definitely think he'll land somewhere solid. Well, let me also ask you this question, Dara, because I know you as well are a big fan of of Impact Wrestling slash uh, formerly known as TNA. We haven't used those call letters in a while. But um, when it comes to Impact Wrestling, do you feel that the relationship with House of Hardcore is a good relationship? Do you like the fact that they're working with them? Or do you feel like they need to mainly focus on their own brand and maybe not so much as, as, as collaborating? I think all they have is collaboration now at this point. Um, I, was, I was just going through my Twitter feed there, and I saw Tommy Dreamer crying again in the ring, 
with Sabu looking like you know looking like he ate Sabu and he flying <laughs> oh, I love flying off the top through a thing. <laughs> the chair like, oh man come on like I've seen this now <coughs> people bleeding each other when Raven and Tommy Dreamer were bleeding each other 10 years ago it's like we've seen this like come on I look I, I love ECW right but I love ECW you know many moons ago not Tommy Dreamer crying in the ring uh, and it's, they need to either just kind of figure out what they want to be and do it or else fully embrace it like I don't know watching AEW was kind of heartbreaking as awesome as it was as well because I'm like oh look it's TNA again good TNA and when I watch Impact I'm like oh what's this you know <laughs> they seem to be making you know two steps one two steps back for every one step forward and then Tommy Dreamer comes in and cries on everybody and it's like oh you know so I think at this point all they have is collaboration and that's kind of sad but hey it works for them and they are building the brand as Marcus said you know so I would say embrace what you have keep going for a while but slowly try to move away and maybe form brands with AEW more than House of Hardcore because at the end of the day House of Hardcore is very very limited and you don't want to be a garbage wrestling promotion because we already have those you know House of Hardcore is fun where you know the old folks can come out and fall over and you know that's <laughs> and it happy, you know, but that's not that's not what people want to watch Impact for. Well, when it comes to Impact Wrestling and in, in, in specifically Tommy Dreamer, and, and Tommy's done so much for wrestling. I mean, I think it's so much in his blood that I don't think he can walk away. And I think that's the same situation with guys like Ric Flair and maybe guys like Hulk Hogan that they have a very difficult time with being able to walk away when wrestling is, is very much in their blood. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think Tommy is really good at what he does. I think he's put his body through a hell of a lot. Oh, there's and that. no question. It, it, it's probably best, and this is just my opinion, that he maybe stay behind the scenes and not expose himself as much to risk and injury because he's still working one hell of a schedule. He travels a lot and does a lot of smaller independent shows. So maybe pulling the um, pulling the reins back a little bit here and maybe dialing back just a little bit. But So, you know, you guys kind of brought up AEW. So let's talk about Double or Nothing. Tony, jump in here. I want to get your take on did you see the pay-per-view? Have you seen highlights of the pay-per-view? Give me your thoughts on how it went, and do you feel like the criticism it got was justified? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I haven't seen the entire thing. What I did see, uh, I liked. I did understand where the criticisms come from. A couple of the things they could have done better, but let's not forget this was their first ever show. You know, it wasn't um, a, a well-oiled, slick production like the WWE that's been doing it years in, year out. This was the first time these guys have run a big live pay-per-view. Because if you go back to All In, that was in production with Ring of Honor. So they had the, the backup from that. This one was all on their own. And I think they pulled off a phenomenal show. Easily one of the best shows of the year, if not the best. There is room to improve, and that's what they're going to do by the time they come on to TNT and by the time they get rolling. Yeah, no, I agree with that. When it comes to, uh, there were some production things. There were there were some, some small glitchy things, but once again, nothing that can't get worked out. I feel like overall, the, the package, the product was really good. I like the way that they presented things. I did hear uh, some critics 
say that they did not feel like the characters were set up very good for the audiences to really know who they were. And my response to that would be, and you guys can let me know what your thoughts are on this, this may be the first time people are being exposed to, to AEW. So it, it's not uncommon for somebody to not necessarily be familiar with all of these individuals, and that will come with time. And I think you'll really get introduced to these guys as the fall comes around, as the TNT show finally fires up, they're going to do more backstories. They're going to go into more in-depth profiles on these guys. So this was basically just dip your toes into the water. Let me ask you this, Marcus. Did you think that they uh, they did a good job on the pay-per-view? And what were some areas you think they could have done a little bit better on? Yeah, I, you know, I agree with both you and Tony. Um, I thought overall for, for the first show it was a hell of a show. Um, obviously, you know, being at the first show uh, and going live like that, you're going to have your issues, actually. Um, I think it, you saw some issues, uh, certain ticks uh, with commentary as well. Um, you know, those three guys didn't necessarily click all the time in terms of what they were trying to do. But I think overall, it's kind of like you said, um, you know, it's just going to take time. I'm not familiar with a lot of those guys that were uh, on that roster. But like you said, uh, it, they wasn't trying to go five hours on uh, or five, seven hours like some other companies. We know that they got in, they got out. You know, they, they gave a booming show with a lot of variety on it. And you're going to get to know a lot of those characters, more specifically with, uh, you know, consistent behavior, you know, when we get the TV product. And, you know, this was kind of just like you said, to hook you. And then, you know, obviously you, you come back and you uh, watch the consistency over those uh, over those weeks in TV. Now, obviously, it's up to them whether they're going to keep you invested. But I think they did a good job kind of getting those guys out there and, uh, you know, showing some improvement. But for the first show, I mean, you got you got to hats off to them. It was a hell of a show. They went big um, and, and they, they kind of, you know, laid the gauntlet down. Yeah, they did, and, and I agree with you as far as the commentary goes because I was wondering how things were going to go with that because, you know, when we know Jim Ross, we know how he works with certain people. We know how he plays off of certain people. He hadn't really worked with these other two guys, to my knowledge, before. Now, as far I'm trying to remember, gosh, I feel bad about this. The um, the guy in the mask. Excalibur from PWG. I, I didn't have a problem necessarily with him. It was the other guy yeah. that I thought, yeah, I I wonder if they're going to be making some tweaks because Excalibur Jim Ross, I don't really have a problem with. Uh, the other guy, whatever his name is, Bob, Rick, John. Alex, Alex Marvez, Marvez. Okay. I wasn't a big fan. Not to say he's not a good announcer, but my first, my first impression, I wasn't really sold. Would you guys agree on that? Like... I didn't. See, I saw clips of the pay per view, but they said there was like golf whispering, and it, there there was moments where it was kind of like, what, what, what the hell is he doing? Mm. So, Dara, did you have any sentiments on the announcing itself, and felt like it was a little out of kilter? Well, it's crazy because on one hand, yeah, like listening to Jim Ross is always a treat. You know, I think we've talked about how awesome Jim Ross is as an announcer and how important it is to have a consistent announcing team. It was refreshing to not be annoyed the whole time by the announced team um, but definitely while Excalibur and Jim Ross were great Alexander, you know that's definitely a note you can replace them uh, you know and there's a whole ream of people you could replace them with and we could do an hour show on that just on ourselves but I think having a three man team without Vince McMahon shouting BS into 
said announce team's ear <laughs> it really kind of makes the difference you know so it was a good approach go to three man team but maybe fine tune it and that will come you know like they obviously can't go for uh, Tony Schiavone or something like that who actually was in the crowd which is crazy but um, you know there's Matt Stryker would be good to go for offhand um, I would that's who I would put in but there's a whole litany of people which you can put in and I think we will get as it's gone through. I I don't know if Jim Ross is going to do the full, um, the full schedule when they go to TV. Do do we know that? Is there any kind of word on that, or is it just a one and done deal? I think he's with the company. I I would assume, from what I understood, that he is going to be their their main voice. Tony, would you would you agree with that? When Marcus was was that the way you interpreted it as well? Yeah, I, I thought it was there as a behind the scenes talent guy, but then obviously going to be stepping in doing the big shows. I, I, I think what Dara's saying is true. I don't see Jim Ross doing it every week, and I don't think he should. I think now Jim Ross has become your Brock Lesnar kind of guy. He's the guy you wheel in for the the big shows, the big attraction. He is a, an attraction in his own right. That You have to use this guy sparingly, and as long as you keep Jim Ross motivated, that's a happy Jim Ross that is going to deliver you a good country. Here's the crazy thing on that, right? When he was, even though, you know, I was, I've was, i actually taken to watching, you guys aren't going to believe it, I've taken to watching old episodes of Heat, from from 1999 1998 just randomly and uh yeah when jim ross is on or you're getting the clips of jim ross selling stuff the promos you know because obviously a lot of us poor pay-per-views you're like well he really sells it better than anyone else and even though he's a fair bit old now and you can tell that bell's palsy has taken its toll on him the man can still put forward a story unlike anyone else it's just it, it makes you feel invested and you're like well how 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 did he just go so horribly wrong with the current product? And I I don't want this to become a WWE comparison show because I I think that's been done. But yeah. I think something as important as commentary, it's like this is how good commentary can be, and this is when it's really good. And it's just something we don't really get in wrestling that much today, and it's very sad as well. Like I know, like as great as AEW was, it's also very sad because you're like, with a few tweaks, this could be the best program on TV. You know, this, yeah. So. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say there was a couple things about the commentary that, that I picked up on was one that uh, Excalibur worked in is no one kicks out of the Falcon Arrow stick from P- PWG, which made me immensely happy. And two, I would pay to see who would get more excited about to sell something between uh, Jim Ross and Don West. Actually, <laughs> Mike Tenay, Jim Ross and Excalibur. That's the team mm. I'm for. That's um, Jim, Jim Ross, Excalibur and Mike Freeland. Oh, even better again. Ooh. <laughs> I, I, I could see myself uh, maybe doing some backstage. That, what, what is her name? Alicia Atout? Atout? Yeah, Atout. Uh, yeah. Atout? I like her. I do. I don't have any problem with But I, I, do you guys feel like she brings the excitement to a, a promo or an interview like people we'd seen in the past like a and I know you can't really compare to like a Gene Okerlund or to uh, Sean Mooney or even to Todd Pettengill I'll throw him out there but please do you feel throw like Todd Pettengill out I, I did I threw I <laughs> as Tony finishes his pipe um yeah I, I don't know do you guys like her as a back a backstage person do you like her as an interview person I don't mind I just see them as talking heads to be fair like the only the only real backstage person that ever kind of made an impact to me was Michael Cole because I hated him so much with his stupid frosted tips <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. yeah now, 
That makes me smile so much because you hate Michael Cole, but yet you you also bring in your disdain for his hairstyle. That's just that's just classic, Dara. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I like her. Uh, I watch a uh, you know a lot of her interviews that she gets with wrestlers. Um, you know she she seems like she got good energy. You can tell she's happy to be there, which is always a plus. Um, she's getting better. Um, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of like uh, there in a sense that sometimes it just it is talking heads unless they do something that absolutely stands out. Like me being an impact guy, I do like the fact that some people can stand out like uh, Melissa Santos does mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. She just does this thing where, you know, obviously you're not going to interject or do too much against the, the performer that trying to get themselves over. But she does these things where she just gives these looks. and and it works perfectly you know it's it's just enough you know uh, specifically when she has history with the person or whatnot so you know little stuff like that I pick up on but maybe you know we get there from Alicia um, as she grows she's grown as an interviewer and now that she's with you know AEW she's gonna you know be able to do that uh, consistently more so we'll see but uh, she's fine to me you know yeah it's interesting because you know when we look at female interviewers um, I, we had major guns in WCW. I mean, I don't know if I'm really going to throw her out as being a qualified interviewer, but she did. I demand um, to see her license. Uh, <laughs> That's license. So I said there, folks, just for the record. I, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we've seen another female who's done a really good job interviewing the way Alicia does. It's just, uh, I, it, it's just, it's far and few between, in my opinion. I don't know. Like TNA, TNA had their moments. Um, so Carval wasn't always terrible. Uh, she just walked to the door. She got there. Uh, <laughs> she was terrible for a while, and then she kind of got there, and you're like, okay, this is fine. So, yeah, I, I would say she wasn't too bad, but it's a hard job to do to kind of put yourself over while not putting yourself over. As Marcus was saying, you know, you want to kind of be like, right, I don't want to distract, but I want to be a recognizable face. Like, I like Kevin Kelly because it's like, ah, yeah, you could, you could, be, you could batter him, like, you know. But you don't want it because he seems like a nice guy. So when The Rock would be up, you're like, oh, I feel sorry for him. Michael Cole, on the other hand, you're like, please hit him again. You know, <laughs> different things. Please you know? hit him again. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I mean. You know, that's the case of, well, there are faces that you'd see over and over again, um, but you wouldn't necessarily be distracted by them. And that's a kind of fine line to write as well, even more than commentator, because that they're the voice you hear. So that's who you associate. Backstage is more, it could kind of go to anybody. Don West was somebody who actually kind of did that quite cool, where you cut to Don West, and it's like, oh, I'm happy to see Don West. Who is he going to talk to? So, you know, that's that. he's my favorite backstage guy. Actually, Don West in general. Don West should have his own show, the Don West show. I imagine Don West always had an oxygen tank standing by. The minute the camera went off, he was just crawling over to it to get back all that one huge breath that he'd taken before the camera started rolling to fit that whole stream of consciousness. And oh, man. Don got a lot in in one breath. You're right. You almost felt like he was going to pass out after he was done. Well, here's the funny thing, right? When I was over there in 2007, uh, Don West still had his little his little merch booth. So he'd like he would literally be there selling your merch. It was hilarious. But like halfway through the in, the the show, he'd come out and be like, "All right, let's go do stuff." And he would just talk constantly for ten minutes, and then merch would just appear. It was bizarre. <laughs> it was really bizarre. That's true for National Treasure. Marcus, did you ever remember late nights on? Oh God, I forget. It wasn't home shopping. It was like the the knockoff or shop at home or something like that, where he did baseball cards. Do you remember that? Yeah, the home shopping network. That whole deal. Oh. Oh my God! And he was like, 
he was like an exacerbated uh, Chris Farley, you know, with living in a van down by the river. You know, yeah. it was just like, what? Yeah. We got some Will Clark rookie cards. Yeah. Can you believe Don, that? Don's a genius. I mean, even if he, you know, I'm absolutely not interested in anything he's selling. I like the fact that he's selling it to me. Personality oh, yeah. and, and just what we, what he can do. That man was a genius specifically, you know, impact. A lot of times selling stuff that you really, really didn't have no interest in buying. Like he really made you kind of intrigued by those brown bag specials. That you <laughs> brown bag specials, yeah. yes. So, you know, Don, Don, it's just he's brilliant in that way. You know. Don West could sell Sammy Zane to say the Yeah. Oh wow! Don West could sell freedom to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> wow! Holy cow! Oh man, well, I was gonna I was gonna mention something about Khashoggi, but I will let that go. <laughs> yeah, you can sell a couple of used bone saws. Oh my I'm god! I'm talking about Randy Savage. <laughs> oh my god! So, all right, guys. So. The, the pay-per-view itself, and, and, and this is for everyone, so anyone jump in at any point in time. This is a free-for-all. The pay-per-view itself, the, the Battle Royal, let me ask you your questions about that one. Um, I watched it. If you've watched it, if you watched the highlights, the Battle Royal was cool, um, but I felt like there were some moments that I was kind of scratching my head. Would you guys agree with that? Hated it. Absolutely hated it. Um, if, if I had been sitting watching that and someone had walked in, and watched me watching that, I would have apologised to them. Um, you know, <laughs> that Hangman Page winning at the moment he came in as Joker, that was blindingly obvious that was going to happen. And uh, I'm kind of with Jim Cornette in this one. There was just, if, if everything in the Battle Royal is a gimmick, then no one gimmick stands out. Right. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I was totally disinterested as well. I mean, uh, we can't blame the obvious that they did and are going to have a lot of guys on these rosters, on this roster that, that I won't necessarily click with. That's not... Um, you know, me saying anything about that talent at all. Obviously, you guys are super talented, but sometimes you just don't click with everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it was missable for me. What it did do, it made me appreciate uh, those New Japan Battle Royals a lot more. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, uh, yeah I, you know, it, it just didn't really do anything for me. Like like Tom said, um, you know, when, once everything went down with the whole uh, Adam Page and Neville thing, and then he came out, you kind of you kind of knew where it was going. Uh, who who was the guy with the? Um, I'm gonna keep my hands in my pockets this whole time. Oh, Orange Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, Orange Cassidy. He, he, stood, he stood out for me just in a way because I, you know, he kind of just made me turn my head to the side and you know. What's up with that? Yeah, exactly. What's up with that? Uh, but uh, other than that, yeah, nothing really specifically. Uh, MGF, MGF probably. I think that that double or nothing was a, a star making show for MGF. Yeah. yeah. The, the, yeah. the man who does EC3 better than EC3. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody somebody on Twitter was like, wait a minute, he looks and his gimmick is so much like Alberto... Um, El Patron. El Patron, yeah. yes. With the scar, I think the scarf really sells it for him, but like, just a, a heel, but I like MJF. I think he does a really, really good job, and... I don't know. I felt like they they did kind of swing and miss on that one. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to throw these. You guys know a lot more about you know the independent scene and, and promotions around the world. So, and please forgive me. I'm not saying this to be humorous. I'm not saying this for any reason other than I am just not familiar with the person. The guy that had no torso. 
Um, it, he was Dustin just Thomas. It, the, okay. What is his story? I mean, as far as was he with a is he with a, another promotion right now? Is he an AEW guy? I have never seen. I thought Zach Gowan situation was probably going to be the most unique, physically challenged wrestler. This one definitely takes the cake. And then he did a six one nine. I maintain which, he still won that battle royal because his feet never touched the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god wow that you know what that brings a smile to my face that's fantastic his feet never touched the floor holy cow no one else is laughing so i feel like we probably offended somebody Tony. <laughs> yeah, I, oh I my god thinking and, and not not that, not that we're gonna pile on here but it's kind of like a phantom win yeah <laughs> it's, it's going to be a standard WWE storyline you know Adam Page is going to turn up for his match with Jericho or whatever and Dustin Thomas is going to come out you never beat me Page yeah. <laughs> it, it was, I mean it was, it was interesting I think they did um, I just can't recall that they did a thing um, and obviously they, they do the, the leader videos on the being their lead and everything I think they did kind of like a um, talking about the guy uh, on the show I don't remember it verbatim but I think um you know, he was, uh, I guess, affiliated with one of the, the independent shows that uh, I think AEW kind of visited on the road to Double or Nothing, and they saw the guy interested in him, and obviously, I think, you know, obviously integrated him uh, into the show. But he kind of he kind of threw me back immediately to uh, Chris Melendez. Yeah, yeah, the TNA guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, it's always it's always cool to see that kind of stuff because obviously, it's um, wrestling is a very you know, open thing. Um, uh, but for some people, it's just, you know, they already had a belief suspended to a certain yeah. degree and, and they just won't allow it to go that far, which is, which is, you know, it's understandable. Yeah. Look, you know, I think that's, that's always going to be kind of like the, the bridge too far. You know, I, look, when I see Rey Mysterio in the ring, I'm like, get that child out of the ring. So, you know, fair play to Dustin Thomas. And, and he's Andre the Giant compared to Marco Stunt. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. I will have, I will have yeah, to no, I, I, I'm going to... When Rey Mysterio with tires, I'm going to feel sorry that I can't just shout it at him when he's in the ring because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, does anybody, anybody see the, the, the backstage with uh, he and Dominic? Yeah. Dominic looks like Andre the Giant compared to Rey. Like, Dominic, Dominic is Eddie's son. Come on. Yeah, look, can I just... Right, that whole <laughs> angle... With, where he's standing there watching, <laughs> you know, his dad get beat up. I'm like, get in the ring. What are you doing? Hit him with a chair. Do something. Don't just stand there. You're twice the size. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Tell you, well, if Eddie, you know, sorry, if um, if Ray was there, you know, he should have. There should have been backstage and we were beating with a belt going. Now you learn. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, that worrying noise you hear whenever Dominic is not doing anything for Ray. That's Eddie spinning in his grave. <laughs> oh. Imagine that US title match. He beat him with the belt. Enjoy sponsors. <laughs> Oh my God! They have done so many just un. Oh God! Paternity tests, this, that, and whatever. Goodness gracious! So actually, uh, back so, to Dustin Thomas there for a second. He was on Matt Coon's show a couple of weeks ago, telling the story. If you get a chance, have a listen to it. It's absolutely one of the most inspirational things you'll ever hear. He's a fantastic guy. A great story. Yeah, I mean Matt Coon is a, is a great host, and he has great great guests on there as well. So listen to to Matt Coon. 
And uh, you can find his podcast anywhere podcasts are available. You can find him on Twitter as well. And I believe he is just at Matt Coon. So check it out. Um, so the Battle Royal, not so great. Let me ask you guys, what were what were your high spots, if you will, with the with the show? What were some things that you guys looked at and you thought, man, they really pulled this off well? Marcus, what was your thoughts? Uh, for me, just because I, I like the, you know, uh, well done pomp and circumstance, um, Jericho's entrance, uh, that was, uh, you know, uh, really well done. Um, obviously, I kind of I kind of shrugged it off when it first happened because I'm like, okay, this obviously was the pop the crowd and to kind of, you know, get that, uh, oh my God, they're drawing a line in the sand thing bit with, uh, Cody in the, in the chair. But, uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that's, that's another thing that, you know, I think in hindsight, that's gonna, that's gonna age well. Um, you know, down the line specifically when we start seeing things with the show. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we look, look at those tag matches and then specifically, you know, the, the one with the bucks against, uh, you know, the Lucha bros. Also, I was glad to see them, you know, be able to do their thing because they kind of got shafted on all in, obviously with time. So, you know, they got they got to do their thing. Uh, I really love seeing the 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 women, you know, that that uh, the all women's match because obviously I think a lot of the fan base would not be familiar, but those women really got to show what they're about. Um, and and uh, going forward, I hope we see more of that because they deserve that main that main stage, if you will, uh, spotlight. Uh, specifically for the American audience, so that you know, obviously, how could you not, you know, get emotionally invested in some way in in you know the the, the Rose Brothers match? You know, really dug the stuff with uh, Cody and Jericho, uh, just the physicality of that, and uh, yeah, hell of an ending. You know, even if I'm not a big uh, big Moxley guy, you know, you you gotta you know you gotta tip your hat off to him because you can tell. The minute that guy showed up, that the shackles was off, and he was doing 100% of what he wanted to do, and he was finally getting to do it in the way that he wanted to do it. So, you know, for, for me, those those are highlights. No, I agree with you. I thought this. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm going to go with the aesthetical aspect of it. I thought the set looked great. I thought it looked really, really good. I love the way they played up the whole Vegas aspect of it with the poker chips and everything. I thought that was done really well. I did like the entrances. Um. It was the first time I'd really actually gotten to see on U.S. soil a match with Kenny Omega. And I know he's done a lot of different stuff with Ring of Honor and whatnot, but I, I hadn't really seen him in that light before because I'd mainly seen him in New Japan. So this was really, really good. And just to see the contrast between the way North American wrestling fans respond to something as opposed to the way the Japanese respond, it's different. It's very, very different, and I think as much as we're fans of wrestling and we love it, it's more in, in inbred into their culture. I mean, it's more of a respect and a heritage thing, and it's a very traditional thing. So, interesting to see the way that that all goes down. But I love the the match with Cody and Dustin. I thought that was great. I thought they told a really good story, and now that's going to be building up to the next match that they have as a tag team together. Love the the women stuff as well. It was really cool to see. Awesome Kong. And I believe there was an interview done with her afterwards, and she said, yes, I am going to be with AEW on a part-time basis because I'm going to continue to put my full-time interest into the Netflix series Glow, which, God, I hope that continues to go because I am a huge Glow fan. And 
it's it's so funny because I was like, oh my gosh, awesome Kongs on this, and I'm like totally marking out. And my wife is getting into Glow, which is awesome because that's getting her into wrestling. So it's like, oh, we can watch this together. And I'm like, she's a badass. She's 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 a monster. And but yet she's really good comedically. So I'm really glad to see that she's being highlighted and spotlighted in another way because she's a good performer in the ring. But she's also a great character on TV, and I think she's a great person, and I'm really, really happy to see that she's doing well. And she's gone from that WWE bullcrap. That what did they call her? Did they call her? Was it Karma? Yeah. I, oh, whatever, whatever. That that just uh, that wasn't good. But I liked it. I liked the pay per view itself, and um, I think they sold out what nineteen thousand tickets in like ten minutes or something. Yeah, like that. something ridiculous. ridiculously quick. So I believe their next event is going to be at the Ocean Center. It's going to be in Florida. I think that's going to be probably a, a really, really nice turnout as well. So I'm just I'm just curious to see what tweaks they're going to make after they watch this. And then um, they, they watch it back and they say, oh, we could have done this better. We could have done that better. But overall, I have more positives than I have totally. negative takeaways. Dara, what was your thoughts on it? Dara, we're, we're going to throw it to Dara O'Connor, who's live on the scene. Uh, Dara O'Connor, are you there, sir? That that is all in. Dara, you might want to unmute your mic. Well, well, I'm in here, guys. All right, so <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I apologize. No, you're fine. I'm used to it working with Jerry Lynn. So, oh, don't worry about it. Sure. so right, I just have two things that I want to jump in there. Right, so the first yes. one is uh, that Triple H thing didn't like it was not a fact <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the throne should have had a belt for a start no no what they should have done is they should have started off the show with a ceremony to Triple H and then presented him a belt alright <laughs> that's great <laughs> so that, that that was just that. once I saw that I was like I want to stop watching this but then I endeavoured like no I'm going to keep watching it alright so it, that gets two Katie Vicks because no, right? <laughs> wow, wow. Oh. two out of ten. The next thing is Cody Rhodes. While I love the Cody uh, Dustin match, right? That was a fantastic match. Cody is not a main eventer. Okay. What do you guys? I'm I'm with you. I, I, I see Cody as a, a good hand. I think Cody is your gold dust of AEW. He's going, maybe going to be the guy you beat to get to the guy, but he's never going to be the guy. I think the problem is he thinks he is the guy. That's the thing. You know, I think like he's just... The way he carries himself and the way he presents himself, I'm getting like, while I love Jeff Jarrett, you know, the problem as well, he kind of didn't understand his role in where he needs to be. And I just feel if anything is going to be the under, going to undermine AEW, it's going to be that attitude of Cody going, well, you know, I made this. This is my house. It's like, yeah, but nobody really likes you, you know. <laughs> like, well, it, it, it's it's funny you bring that up and you mention that because I kind of had the, the similar feeling, you know. The reason, I mean, Jeff put the belt on himself because he was, a you know, the TNA founder, whatever. He's the champion. I kind of was wondering if it was going to go in that same direction, but I don't think it will. No. 
I, I just don't because I feel like they're going to do what's best for business, and it's the, the ego and all that kind of stuff is, is going to be put to the side. So, do you feel like either Hangman Page or Jericho are your best choices as your inaugural champion? Right now, right now they are. But remember as well, a wild belt was put on Jarrett. They also had the transitional champions, you know, during the same time period. You had Ken Shamrock, you had Raven, you know, you had guys who had the belt for a time and then it went back to Jeff Jarrett. My fear in this would be, because remember, I'm getting a horrible smack of TNA off this in a good way. But there's also, you know, Danger Will Robinson when it's <laughs> like, yeah, they say there's no ego, but all of Cody's entrance and build up was I'm an egomaniac. You know, <laughs> it's just hopefully there's enough clout there. For the guys to be like, you're not doing this. And I think Jericho and the rest of the guys are smart enough to be like, hey, we're not letting this happen. So I would say cautious. I'm cautiously optimistic, but one thing I never want to see again, I never want I, I never want to see this um, tit for tat thing. Because remember, we're only like two or three angles away from Michael hit Hickenbottom at the Alamo. i've been there so no thank you marcus let me ask you this question do you think that um do you think they should kind of stay away or steer away from the whole tit for tat thing trying to to poke fun at the other company do you think they should just do their own thing yeah that's 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 what i do i mean that's that's what i prefer like i say when i initially saw the chair thing uh i kind of kind of rub my nose up at it to a sense because I'm like, okay, he's just doing this to pop the crowd because everybody else is, is really into that everything. I'm like, you can let the fan base feed into that, but y'all really need to do your own thing because that's how you've gotten there this far. That's how, that's why you've, you know, sold out so many tickets and so many minutes because you guys have mastered, you know, really making your fans feel a part of what you're doing, really making them feel like, you know, they're being rewarded by coming and supporting you guys. Um, I really feel like you're just as much fans as they are. You know, you're talking to them, not at them. Um, so, you know, for me, and I think they, I think they kind of take their shots regardless because at this point, it, it's so easy to, you know, to, to take shots. It's just too easy at this point. Um, but, you know, for me, I think the main focus are really just be getting, them, getting their feet under themselves and, uh, you know, not pulling an a impact. We're going to beat these guys on Monday night type of deal. We saw what that that ended up and it didn't it didn't end well so you know they just need to do their own thing because that's there's never been a better open than do your own thing than right now so do you think that wwe is definitely taking notice right now of aew even though they haven't you know had their weekly show start yet do you think they're looking at this situation going well we've been through this war before and we did this with Turner, and it didn't turn out so hot. But yet the temperature was different in wrestling at that time. Got to keep in mind that you know, the steroid trial was going on. Nitro was basically sucking up all of the talent from the WWE at the time. Things were different. Do you think that right now the WWE is going to raise their game to the point where we haven't seen in the last 20 years? Or do you think right now... We are seeing the best that the WWE has to offer. There may be some fluctuations, but we're not going to see something reemerge from them. It's not going to be a, another rebirth of a new era. Would you? What, what are your thoughts on that, you guys? 
is the question is can the WWE raise their game these days? You know, let's face it, they won the Monday Night Wars through a combination of blind luck and incompetence from WCW. It wasn't anything that groundbreakingly good that they did. Um, you know, you could trace it back to the curtain call. If that hadn't happened, Triple H would have won the King of the Ring that Austin won and became Austin 316. If WCW didn't have the inmates running the asylum, they wouldn't have self-imploded as much as they did. Can WWE raise their game these days to, to, to bring that back into act? You've only got to listen to John Moxley on his podcast with Jericho to see what kind of a state WWE creative is in right now. And it all comes back to the door of one man. You know, it comes back to Vince. And I don't think if I'm AEW, I wouldn't be trying to compete with WWE. The best thing Eric Bischoff ever did was making WCW not try to compete, but try to be different. That's where the market is. A very yeah. good a very good point there um, Tony like it's that's it you know there's a good podcast um, I don't know if you guys listen to it Going In Raw a quite a good yes. podcast and they did a whole series of 10 things that Vince could do minor things to change it and when you listen to it you're like actually that's spot on you know it's, stuff that, it's common sense stuff that you know we in the IWC have been saying for years but until Vince decides that he wants to change it's never going to change like the best time for him in wrestling was in the 80s when Hulk Hogan was on top and the internet didn't exist you know and that's what he wants it to go back to and that's just the way it is and remember he owns everything so anything that's remotely different is going to be shot down like guys there there are reports there that they're writing the show as it's happening that happened in WCW that was like prime prime WCW fodder that, that the, the things were wrong when they're writing the show as it's going on air so John Moxley's thing was it wasn't surprising just like the CM Punk thing but it's just the best case scenario would be here is that you know I don't know about you guys but personally if AEW takes off and it's you know it's very for your in the UK here it seems like it's going to be easier to watch than WWE or you know myself and Tony that's happy days right mm-hmm. but, uh, if that's the case I won't watch WWE because there's nothing there unless Triple H is wrestling yeah. and, <laughs> I'll have to do but other than and that, not in Saudi Arabia <laughs> yeah exactly and not Saudi Arabia yeah but other than that it's like what's the point you know there, there's there's nothing there because they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. And then, you know, for me, I, it seems like WWE is uh, an archive now, and that's kind of what they're going forward to, because are, their shows are quite decent, once it's not live product. But again, it's uh, filled with history being written and stuff, so I think maybe the best way to kind of deal with this is, right, we have NXT, and we have the network. What's that worth to us as far as live wrestling product? We have to go somewhere else for that. And if AEW is able to be that, that fabled alternative that we wanted since, w, since WCW went down, that's good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I mean, I, you know, I, was, I listened to a lot of other podcasts and, and somebody brought up the fact that no matter what happens, no matter what they say about the WWE Universe, no matter if they got 50 writers, all these great wrestlers in the company, they always are writing to an audience of one. And that's Vince. Correct. It's Vince. Like mm-hmm. he, he's not trying to entertain us or, or, or you know anybody else. He's trying to entertain himself. Mm. He, he has to be absolutely damn near masturbating to this whole twenty-four seven title <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and and he he should you know really count his lucky stars that he has somebody like all truth who's been turning shit sandwiches in a stew in a sense for years. Well, really his whole career there. Um, but yeah, I mean you know. 
like uh, Tony said, just everything that they that that Ambrose said on Jericho's podcast and some other shows, it, it wasn't um, disappointing or surprising. It was just reinforcing everything that we kind of already knew. The man's a nut job. Yeah, you know he's uh you know and and like you said, Mike, I don't think they're necessarily gonna um, raise their game. Some stuff may fluctuate. I mean, but like fluctuate in a very shitty way. Like, you know, look at this whole, look at this whole, um, the wild card rule. It's garbage. You know, it's, you know that's that's something that's on the fly. You know, it's supposed to be four guys, but we never know who it is. Um, and, and they just they really just write that stuff on the fly. Uh, Long term booking is, uh, you know, it's uh, at this point it's like the freaking Loch Ness monster over there now. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, it's nuts. So. Here's I, think may, I think we may see some fluctuations, but then, you know, I think the most consistent thing we may see is a lot of these guys who now are openly talking about their contracts coming up. You know, it used to be, you know, the wrestling uh, outlets constantly putting out when these guys' contracts coming up. Now you got people like, you know, uh, Mike and Maria, mm. you know, openly tweeting about, you know, times are, times are ticking, you know, about stuff. So, you know, I think we may see some exoduses on, on that, and we may even see them try to lock these people down even harder. We've already heard about it with, with these obscene uh, financial amounts that they're trying to hold people with. Uh, so, you know, I, I think just, you know, I think, like I said, I think uh, as long as Vince is running that ship, uh, it doesn't matter who's over there. Because uh, you, you can't you can't tell the man he's doing anything wrong. It's everybody else. It's not him. You know, everybody else is effing up his good ideas. So, you know. <laughs> he said was... fault on TV. <laughs> I want people not loving this. Oh, man. It, 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 okay, so I, I don't know if, if you guys, and I was thinking about this the last few days, but tell me if this is a fair comparison. I think of Vince McMahon like I think of Walter White in Breaking Bad. And here's what I mean by that. At the apex, Walter was turning out Phenomenal product, making money hand over fist. But greed and his mentality and the way he was and how he was corrupt from the inside, and, and he didn't want to be pushed around. And I get there's a lot of narratives that go into what created Walter White into making him the way he was, but it ultimately was his downfall. And I wonder if Vince is that same way. Hey, I did all this, I did all this, and I can't walk away, and I'm going to keep rolling the dice and doubling down. But at some point, he is going to be the greatest detriment to the company. Would you guys agree with that? Like, instead of being able to know when to step away, I am not what's best right now for this company? Or do you think, man, until that guy doesn't even have a pulse, and I'm not trying to be facetious, I mean literally he's laying in hospice, he's still going to be in some way, shape, or form in the know of what's going on on the TV show. Now I have have the vision of when they finally sell town and tell us they're going to find a piece of pizza on the roof. (laughs) (laughs) Or does anyone know the lore of Warhammer 40k? No. Okay, no. so in Warhammer 40k, there's the God Emperor, right? And the God Emperor is, okay. you know, the savior of humanity, but he's been he's been in this Iron Throne, held kept alive for thousands of years, and the only way he's kept alive is by feeding thousands of souls every single day to him, and uh, he's literally just a skeleton at the moment, <laughs> kept alive by the souls of others. That's how, that's what's going to happen with Vince McMahon. He's going to be in Titan Towers, encased in a tomb, being fed the souls of jobbers. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. 
you know, or, or like one of them episodes of I don't know if you guys are familiar with that uh, show Futurama. Yep. Yeah, yes. yeah, brain in a jar, still trying to book the show. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of nuts. And again, you know, you just you know listen to people talk about this stuff because at this point, I think everybody's for the most part waking it up because the product is just so suck at this point. It's kind of hard to you know even for people who are drunk on the Kool Aid to. Uh, you know, fully uh, engrossed themselves in the, in the ass kissery of it, but um, that's just weird because it's almost sad at this point. Because it's like, what else does he know? Well, yeah. you talk about people who have a hard time walking away. The wrestlers, the you know, Rick Flair's, the, all these ECW guys. Who would have a harder time walking away from this than him? Well, there's one yeah. one yeah. part here, and I think we need to mention it, right? Well, two, right. One is Saudi Arabia, so whatever they want, they get, right? The reality is the Saudi Arabia shows are the real WrestleMania now. That's disgusting, right? But the networks, what impact will will Fox have on the product? Because the ratings are, while they're making money hand over fist, a lot of that's being inflated by, you know, uh, copyright deals and Saudi Arabian inflation. But the, the ratings are through the floor, and once AEW kicks in and hopefully everything goes well, a lot of a lot a lot of those people are going to turn off from watching it. So what do we think? Do we think that's actually going to do anything, or will Vince just sit there while Rome burns around them? He's going to sit there and, and fiddle until the next TV network deal comes in, and then when that offer isn't anywhere near the billion dollars they've got this time, then the shareholders are going to step in, and then is when the interesting times start. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think when it starts hurting the bottom line and it starts hurting the stock itself, Tony's right. I think the company is going to have to get together and they're going to have to make a fiduciary decision as far as what's going on here. Is is this man at the helm who's created all this still what's best for business? And I feel like what's interesting is the phrase that he created, I, I'm assuming, um, will be the phrase that will be used against him. Because he can't be right now, you guys. What's best for business? It's it's just it, it just does. It's not feasible right now to have him yeah. leading the way. And and here's the other thing. I thought that's why they brought Bruce Pritchard back. I thought Bruce was supposed to be the creative guy who was supposed to be, you know, maybe Vince's right man, or maybe his role had been a little inflated on the internet. But I thought Bruce was brought back in to do something with creative, maybe at least oversee it and monitor it. But it really doesn't seem like anything has changed since. The big announcement that Bruce was coming back. Would you guys agree yeah, with that? Yeah. Just PR. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. It had to have been just PR because it's BS in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, like I said, I think it just, uh, again, goes back to Vince. I mean, even the most creative of minds can be stifled when you're micromanaging them to hell. Mm. You know, you, you a lot of those guys, like, you know, I know Road Dog is really sending himself out on a limb at times uh, trying to defend some of that blatant stupidity, but... You know, just think he drives a lot of guys mentally into the ground uh, backstage, let alone a talent. You know, we look at what's going on with Sasha Banks. He literally sent her on vacation. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's really weird. I think, I think like you said, it's going to get to a point where it's, it's going to be a decision, decision made where it's just like, this is how in the hell did this even get approved? Like that whole thing with um, uh, what it was. They were, the Poopers They were trying to do something with Moolah and they had to change it. Oh, the, the fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. Yeah, fabulous Moolah, and, and obviously that hit their bottom line, the shareholders and whatnot, and then they had to change it. And then I think uh, that line that uh, Ambrose was talking about 
uh, with Roman was something to the effect of, you know, uh, I guess he was going to say both Rollins and Reigns was both dead men walking, but he was going to get Rollins and God was going to get Reigns. Like the, the fact that Vince was good, like perfectly okay with him saying that, knowing all the make a wish stuff that they do. Yeah. Knowing right. how sensitive times are, knowing that just not really giving a damn about his own talent and reigns in that way, but you know, just thinking it was go go over smoothly in the times that we're living in is utterly ridiculous. But you know, again, you know that that's, that's they they only write an answer to a party of one. So, I mean, you, you want a prime example of how badly Vince micromanages things, and you look at Michael Cole. Look at how amazing a job of commentary he did at the NXT UK Championships in Blackpool when Vince wasn't sitting in his ear. He was a fantastic commentator for those shows. The minute he gets back on US soil, Vince is back in his ear and you just have the constant cliche machine and whatever the hell it's boss time actually means. Once Vince is away from things, you really see... So look, NXT, full stop. You know, mm. once you see what Vince isn't interested in, that's when you're going to see the potential that WWE has, and you're just like, oh, okay. It's as soon as Vince gets the hands on them, all the good is stripped out of them, and they're, they're repackaged to the lowest common denominator. And not even that, the lowest common denominator for 20 years ago. Like that, that, that line that he wanted Dean to say was probably the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. You know, it's just one, he's your friend, legit. Two, he actually is really sick. And three, you do all the stuff for kids who are seriously ill and you wanted to say that to prompt up your fake storyline your fake fighting storyline man in stretchy pants holy shit what a piece of shit you know what I mean it's terrible like it's just horrific I'm fair play to Dean for going no I'm not saying that you know how many people would have done that realistically you know their jobs are on the line it's it's crazy you know even in the worst of WCW stuff like that wasn't done and I remember WCW was the same company that had you know Pinata on the pole matches featuring Mexicans. So let's be real, guys. You know, Jeez, the, that stuff does not age well at uh, all. So I, I think we're, we're, we're all singing from the same hymn sheet here that the, the, the best day for WWE could be when you click on WWE.com and you see the news article that says we wish Vince McMahon the best in his future endeavors. But there's, there's never going to be a day that happens until the, the Reaper Man comes for Vince. And it's, as, as flippant as we're making that sound, every Everyone going to die in the chair with a pencil in his hand booking the next episode of Raw. Do you think that they'll work his death into a storyline? They've tried before. <laughs> no, I mean his real life death. Like when he's really like, let's say, dying. Do you think they'll somehow try to work it in there where like they'll bring Undertaker back or something like that to like literally put his body in a in a zip up bag? I'm or whatever? fairly certain Vince died somewhere in 1997, and he's just too stubborn to finally admit it. <laughs> Well, so many, so many things going on in wrestling, and, and, and we would be remiss if we didn't move on to our, our next topic here. I did want to ask you guys about, um, depending on when this airs, we're, we're taping here on a Thursday. Friday, tomorrow, is going to be the big, uh, the big event, the big event that's going to be happening over in Saudi Arabia. Bigger to uh, or equal than WrestleMania. Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's public executions. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh no, a woman's been seen driving it's... quickly. Get it on pay per view. Oh god. <laughs> Call the town elders, watch out. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's going to happen tomorrow, and I believe it's going to be uh, airing, what, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard yeah, so Time? The... I'm not sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the the card has been announced, and, and to my knowledge, there's going to be any other changes, but I think it'll be interesting. Um, once again, we talked about this before. It, it obviously is being booked by uh, the Saudis, who they want to see. There's no surprise there at all. Um, Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. There's going to be, what, um, is it Braun Strowman and Bobby Am I looking at the right thing here? Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley. Braun Strowman versus the Ultimate Warrior. They're booking it. Yeah, it's uh, Braun Strowman uh, versus Bobby Lashley. Yes, a Triple H and Randy Orton. Uh, the Intercontinental Championship, Finn Balor versus, I hope I say this right, Andrade. Andrade. Yeah. Andrade. Okay. Uh, and for the championship, WWE Championship, Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston. So, and then obviously you're going to have Baron Corbin and Seth Rollins. And then Undertaker and Goldberg. Well, I mean, there, there yeah. we go. I mean, we're, we're all quick to jump on board and have a, a, a pop at Saudi Arabia for there the are many, many human rights issues. But come on, does really anyone deserve a Baron Corbin match in this day and age? <laughs> I would not. I would not put that on anyone. Not not because he can't work, but I don't know. I just can't get into Baron. I can't get into his character. I just I just find him very non entertaining. Um, he, he looks, looks like a man. Yep. he does. He absolutely does. Of, of all the of all and the wrestlers I have ever seen, Baron Corbin is definitely one of them. He's just he's just one of those guys. As soon as I see him, I got to turn the channel. I can't. Uh, yeah, he's he he looks like he just walked out of J.C. Penny when he had a coupon, and he's uh He's he's he just looks like a tool bag. Like he looked like a super big tool bag when he had that nasty greasy hair. That it was just like, man, you, wow, your parents should never have had coitus activity. <laughs> but then, thank God, he shaved that. Yeah, off. it was going anyway. Yeah, and he's, oh God, it looks so bad. I think he and Shawn Michaels are like second cousins. It was so embarrassing. But to watch him, like I don't want to watch. No, him. I think the funniest, I think the funniest I thing in the world, Mike, is when you play two K nineteen. And Baron Corbin shows up, and you're like, oh, no way, that's not Baron Corbin at all. Like they just they they there's massaging, and then there's like absolutely just you know just not reality, you know. Uh, it's like oh, it's like where's this Baron Corbin? <laughs> this other guy is like you know, not not even close to what I'm seeing here. But it, look, here's the best way to put it: Ra- Randy Orton on his worst day is better than Baron Corbin on his best day. <laughs> Oh, I agree. That's just that says it all. Like I like Randy Orton when he decides to work. Baron Corbin just can't work. Good music though. That's about it. And even then, it takes a bit to get to get into it. But other than that, yeah, yeah, I'm the same same here. Like I've always liked his uh, uh, well, that wasn't the original music he started with. I like the music he has now, um, and, and I, I like seeing the execution of that deep six. But that's about it. Oh yeah, yeah. And end, end of Days is, like, is a good move as well, to be fair. I mean, that's a move you can do on anyone, but it does require someone to run towards you. You'd think if they were scouting their opponents, don't run at them. Yeah. <laughs> just, just run towards me. Come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like he's he's ready to go to Easter service, like in that, in that <laughs> outfit. Like, I just... Like, okay, cool, he's going to go to the buffet afterwards. It's just, I don't know. Like, I, I am so not into him, I, I can't even come up with a good insult because I'm just not that into him. 
But he's going to be on the show. Are we guessing? Do we think Hogan will be on the show? Is he going to open it up? Is he going to be out there? Well, you got, to, you got get, to have the notable racist Hulk Hogan on. You know, it's just. A, <laughs> oh come on now! He said he's sorry at least twice, maybe even three times, maybe even four times if there was a well, camera rolling. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'll say. Okay, I was a big Hulkamaniac growing up. Now here's what I'll say. I will never defend that. I'll never defend him. What's wrong is wrong. What I will say is I really respect the New Day, the way they handled the situation. Totally. And I, I do believe – oh, because they could have easily and in every right spoken how they felt. Now, from what I understand, I think – I guess at the Hall of Fame ceremony or WrestleMania, Hogan pulled – the New Day aside and had a conversation with him, and I guess Big E did say, and we probably talked about this a long time ago, did say he was willing to continue the conversation with Hulk. So, once again, that's being a bigger man than most people would be after something like that happens. So, I even have more, more credit to Big E. Um, But, yeah, no, good. he's a great dude, and uh, I hate to say this, he would have been a better pick than Kofi. Oh yeah, like he just—he just looks like a—he—he's funny, but he looks like a badass monster. And I'm like, dude, that'd be perfect. Mm. That would be perfect. Who would want to see him and Brock? Holy cow! I think that would be entertaining. There's a so, there's a WWE Network show in the making of Biggie's quest for Becky Lynch's mother as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, right? Braun Strowman, Biggie. Just gonna put it out there. Much better match than Braun Strowman versus Mr. Golf. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a shame that we have like all Bobo. All Bobo's thinking about is you know where's the nearest golf? Golf. Golf. golf in the golf. That's it. Well, at least there's all the golf pitches there, or what do you call it? Golf courses. Yeah, golf yeah. course. I don't know. Did you say golf bitches? <laughs> golf. <laughs> there's golf bitches out there. I've Shit. seen videos like that. <laughs> Oh my god! Wow, there's just bitches walking around. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Holy cow! Wow. So that's going to be airing. If 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 you watched it by the time this airs, you know it's your I, choice. I don't intend once to watch again, it at all. From I'll be honest. Yeah, from a morality standpoint, I uh, I don't no, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have a specific make a specific point to catch up on some Netflix stuff. <laughs> I'm, there you go. Just, there you so go. I'm going to do that instead of watching uh, Super Showdown or, you know, so anything else other than supporting this because it's, I can't morally do it. It's just, it, you know. I'm, so I'm surprised Finn Balor is in it, to be honest with you. You know, he would. Yeah, with with his stance on equality and everything, and then he's going to, I don't know. Oh, please let him come out with his rainbow gear. Please. Yeah, that would be funny if he did that. And, you know, he might, you know. But, for again, the reason why Sami Zayn isn't on the show is because he's, um, even though he's Canadian, he's... Syrian. Yeah, he's Syrian. Syrian origin. And And did they ask for Alistair Black to be pulled as well because of his uh, demonic, satanic tattoos? Well, because he's actually a Satanist as well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike Vince, he keeps it under the carpet. I think that's really funny. It's like you have an actual Satanist and you're upset that said he was going to get upset by that it's like oh, come on guys like what do you expect the guy literally have a written I on him <laughs> so I mean the, the only I suppose the only one interesting note that's coming out of it from what I've been reading the past couple of days is that um, is it Natalia and Alexa Bliss have gone over as well so there's vague rumours that they might possibly 
could be kind of maybe sort of having maybe a wrestling match over there of some kind or setting up a match in the future. If that happens, then fair play, that is um, generating some kind of change. But un- until it happens, I, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll put it away. Yeah, I don't know. There seems to be some more filler on this card as well than last the last two. There's a big battle royale. Another Royal Rumble, so... Yeah, the greatest. Yeah, you know, even even with the potential of watching Titus do his thing again, (laughs) (laughs) Titus World Slide. No, I'm good. I I bet you they'll try and work it in on purpose again this time. Because there's nothing Vince loves more than something that gets over organically and then running it into the ground until it's a thing. Guys, I don't know. I'm holding out for Tommy Dreamer to come out and cry on everybody. Tommy Dreamer's fast becoming the Ralph Wiggum of professional wrestling where he just gets in the ring and screams I bent my wookie and starts crying (laughs) I feel so bad okay before before we we put a bow tie on this do we even want to address the Bully Ray thing I'm not familiar with it so go for it so the Bully Ray situation, and, and Marcus and Tony, please jump in if, if I am inaccurately describing this. So what had happened was there was a fan at a Ring of Honor show, and evidently he and Velvet Sky were jawing back and forth. Evidently the fan was saying some inappropriate things to uh, Velvet, and I guess Velvet went ahead and like – I guess she had like a perfume or something, and she might have like sprayed, his perf- sprayed her perfume at him or whatever – and I guess he called her or alluded to her being a tramp or a slut, whatever, tramp stamp, whatever. Anyway, um, the guy was, I guess, then taken backstage at the Ring of Honor show, allegedly. And then a talk between he and Bully Ray, Bubba Ray, whatever you want to call him, happened. So... Tony, Marcus, please fill in the gaps where I have left off. Does, does that sound similar to what you've there's, heard? There's a couple of variances in the stories that he's read. If you believe what the fan said, then he merely said nothing worse to uh, Velvet Sky than, my gosh, madam, your ankles are showing you hullet. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you if you believe sort of Billy Ray's version, he was uh, having a right go at them and uh, cussing them out and questioning their sexual preferences. I think Mandy Leone was the, the, the woman that spit in his face and um, Angelina Love sprayed the perfume on him, but it was Velvet Sky that he had to go at and basically alluded to the fact that she's sleeping with that fat turd Bubba Ray. Um, he was apparently taken backstage. Bubba said some very nice things to him, like, hey, go out there and be a fan. And the, the fan felt he was intimidated. And you know, to be honest, nobody comes out of this looking particularly good. I, I don't think either Billy Ray or Ring of Honor or the fan come out of this looking good. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Obviously, you know, because um, it is the, the he said, she said portion of this, and obviously we don't know exactly what the fan said. Um, but I guess from his perspective, he didn't say anything to them that he wouldn't you know, draw back and forth with any other heel. Um, uh, but, but Velvet in the past has been seen as a person who really, you know, is kind of sensitive about a lot of stuff. Like, I'm blocked by her for whatever. I don't even know why I'm blocked. Same. Wow, I did not know yeah, that. I've, I've never tweeted out, but I'm blocked as well. Same here. I don't I don't understand. Uh, but she, you know, um, the whole situation is just uh, weird. I was talking to a friend about it. It really is. Um, a methodical form of intimidation, uh, you know, from my perspective, because, you know, that's, I mean, you get, you know, you get, you know, told it off by guards. Uh, I mean, security, they're not telling you why. They take you to this room. You're being, you know, you're waiting. You don't know what's going on. Then in comes this this big guy who apparently told them to leave the room. And, you know, obviously I would imagine he's standing in front of the door. 
it's just, you know, obviously he knew he was in a certain position. He probably maybe in the past would have handled this situation another way, but obviously optics. You know, you know he obviously knows the fans going to say something about this or would imagine the fans going to say something about this. So he did. He kind of walked the line of let me put him in a scenario where he can kind of get the vibe that this could have went another way. Uh, but then, you know, he kind of, uh, you know, just said enough to, you know, like, don't disrespect the woman, this, that, and the third. Go be a fan. And, you know, like like Tom said, nobody comes off looking good because, again, we don't know exactly what the fan said or what have you. Maybe he crossed the line, maybe he didn't. But uh, I don't think he should have been sequestered like that. I don't think he should have been able yeah. to do that. Um, you know. How is that, Marcus, how is that even legal? Like, how are you able to be ushered? If okay, the only ushering that should happen is you've been you've been removed from the building. Yeah. Please leave. You have crossed the line. This is a show. Whatever you're not conducting yourself in a appropriate manner. That's it. But not backstage and then put into a room and security's told to leave. What is this? The movie Casino? Like that's no way, shape, or form that that's going to fly. From a legal perspective, I mean, that's that just screams lawsuit. Yeah. Lawsuit city. Like uh, I don't know. Like I've heard of this Buddy Ray doing this before. You know, he he really has bought into his gimmick of being a dill hole. But um, I've uh, a, a, a what? Hole. It's like an asshole, but a nice way to say it. Oh, a di- okay. Because I like pickles, <laughs> and dill is a type of pickle, something in a pickle hole. Okay, uh, right, I right. will I will confirm now at this point that I'm not blocked by Velo Sky, and I'm still blocked by Fozzie and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I can Mike's still blocked by Jim Cornette, I presume. I'm still blocked by Jim Cornette. Yeah. Cornette. What's that? Jim Cornette. What did you say? He existed. So, yeah, exactly. So he said something nasty about Kenny Omega when Kenny did that whole thing where he he wrestled a broom. No, he wrestled a blow up doll, and then he wrestled like a 12 year old girl, and. Okay, if you look at it from just the, the, the standpoint of, man, that was entertaining. Um, who cares? It's a show. But he went, like, really far. And Jim also then said that the reason why he has disdain for Kenny is because Kenny was supposed to be on a Ring of Honor show, but he called and he said he couldn't show up to it because of an injury but the following week he was over in new japan wrestling for a championship and he felt like kenny was unprofessional so i basically said hey listen i don't understand what your deal is blah 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 blah. i feel like you're a little out of touch um whatever and he went on a rant which i don't have the screenshot of it but uh it's it's out there somewhere he went on a rant and he got real pissed at me and then he blocked me oh that's fair enough well, you know, that's a good reason to... I don't know why Hulk Hogan blocked me. I just couldn't... It couldn't be... You know, I never even tweeted at the guy. Did, think, did you go out in the sun and get a tan? Wait a minute. Hulk Hogan yeah, blocked you? I'm blocked by Hulk Hogan. I don't even know why. You've never tweeted at him? I don't him. remember it. Anyway. No. You, <laughs> you don't remember it? <laughs> wow. I don't know. I know uh, Fuzzy blocked me because I wrote a bad review, but... Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You're a journalist. I was just yeah. To I don't know. Chris Jericho hasn't blocked me, so hey, that's a small win. But ah, fuzzy. There you oh, go. I'm a fuzzy fan, so it makes no sense. Ow. It doesn't. Twitter, wonderful oh, world we live man. in, right? Guys, this is it. This is it. 
All right, start showering me with compliments. Let's go. Let's get this shit train going here, okay? Come on. Bow down. I, I was kings. literally just going to say something nice, but now I think I'll sum that all up in, in, in a couple <laughs> of words that basically the second one is you. You can insert the first word of your choice. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was, I was going to say it um, on a professional level. I've learned so much about hosting a podcast from working with you over the, the past how many months it's felt, even though it's felt like bloody years. Um I've done a professional, a personal level. I've gained a friend out of this. Gained a, a friend in, in Dara, a friend in Marcus, a friend in James. So for, for me, this has been a, a very worthwhile endeavour, and look forward to sharing our time with you, with uh, any of you guys again in the f- near future. Tony, it has it has been fun. It has been awesome, and I think a lot of our conversations that have been so meaningful haven't even been about wrestling. I mean, wrestling's kind of the catalyst, but then we kind of went above and beyond with that and we got to know each other as people and you know i respect the hell out of you guys for being journalists uh, way back to our days in the magazine and um nothing but love and respect and and i appreciate that and maybe uh, hopefully our, our paths will get to cross again on on the new rewind but i would i would love that yeah man i just uh echo you both tony and mike sentiments man i really appreciate you guys you know it's, it's a lot of content out there we get busy with you know, trying to stay up on everything and, and just trying to be people in our personal lives in general. And, you know, when you get exhausted specifically with everything that's going on in wrestling, you know, it's kind of real easy to kind of kind of get jaded and uh, kind of get a just, I don't want to deal with anything wrestling related kind of mindset. But then you come on here and commune with you guys and it really reminds me of why, you know, I love this stuff in the first place. So, you know, just, uh, you know, appreciative. I mean, obviously, Mike, you know, you're the man. Um, Tone, there are same thing to you, man. Uh, and uh, hopefully, like like Mike said, we can do this again. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's like just jumping on that uh, what Marcus said there, Mike. You know, it's before before I met you guys, it was kind of like oh, I was done with the whole podcasting thing. You know, wrestling in general was kind of like easy to get burned out on. So you know, from from you guys, it's just been an absolute pleasure to be able to to come on and talk to people and just have fun. You know. It, you you three guys have made wrestling fun again for me so thanks very much for that and mike it's you know it's been an absolute pleasure to work with you as well and, and yourself tony and marcus hey the pleasure is all mine you guys are, are all brothers in in my eyes and i love wrestling and i love the relationships and the friendships i've made more importantly than wrestling itself but no, but then you've got so new shiny being... toys to play with and mikey and jerry so we are out in the shoulder and the cold hard shoulder <laughs> hey those guys those guys need a chaperone more than you'll That's ever know uh, if i could sh- if if i could share just half the text messages i've gotten today holy cow but um so for the last time for darrow connor for marcus green for tony cottom my name is mike freeland it's been a pleasure it's been an honor to come into your world each and every week to talk about wrestling this show is going to go beyond successful because these guys are going to make it great and thank you for letting me come into your world and and share my opinions and uh and hopefully entertain you a little bit each and every week for everybody here i'm mike freeland we'll see you next time